if it's like this every night. I mean, it just can't be, can it? We spent the next week attempting to get acclimated. Concurrently, the sounds and the populace all were beginning to come into perspective for me. Gentlemen, our platoon chief said, we'll be going out on an operation tonight, so I want you all down at the huts in thirteen hundred hours. Preliminary briefing. Here we go. This is it. No more playing. Time to take the guns off safe. We walked down to the ready shed. Standard protocol was for them to give you a warning order. And sure enough, there it was. A warning order was a directive telling us where we were going that night and what gear we needed. In addition, it gave the times needed to get it together, to be back for the muster, to get our gear, and to take off on the operation. The two SEALs who led our team, Lieutenant Pete Peterson and Senior Chief Gallagher, were taking us into a hostile area tonight. They wanted us to get into a small battle with five or six VC, matched against the six of us. Since we'd be ambushing them, the odds were in our favor. Lieutenant Peterson figured this was a fair way to get into a fight with minimal danger of our sustaining a casualty. It was an ideal way to get our feet wet, literally and figuratively, to see what it was like, and probably not get anyone hurt. So we had this big, elaborate briefing, and everybody was very serious. It alarmed me a little bit. They talked matter-of-factly about people killed, what to do should this or that occur, as well as what V.C. do to SEALs. The V.C. and N.V.A. hated the men with green faces. There had never been a P.O.W., prisoner of war, SEAL. We paid close attention. Grim faces abounded. All afternoon, my SEAL Team 2's 7th platoon teammates were quiet, contemplating the evening's activities. Finally, 5 p.m. arrived, and we walked silently to where we kept our gear. I got into my tiger-striped clothes. I painted my face with green and black face paint, double-checked all my bullets, and triple-checked my gun. I checked my pistol, and I checked my knife. This was it. No more games. The war in Vietnam was about to become real for SEAL Team 2. Just after dark, we loaded into the boat and quietly cruised downriver. We used a team of two boats, one of which was a large, slow, and well-armored transport known as a Mike boat. Once we arrived at our insertion point, we moved into the second boat. It was a high-speed, 18-foot fiberglass SEAL Team assault boat, STAB. While traveling in the Mike, no lights were on. The pilot navigated only by using a fluorescent orange radar scope. All you could hear from the boat was a faint chugging of the twin diesel engines from below. It was a moonless night, with a soft breeze blowing. Very tropical. Banana trees, coconut trees, and mangroves edged the riverbanks. It was roughly 85 degrees and 80% humidity. Mosquitoes flitted about. At least we were in an area that didn't contain crocodiles. There were several river areas in Vietnam that had crocodiles to contend with. Sharks were another hazard, although rare. Harry, stand by. Five minutes, instructed Senior Chief Gallagher, the ranking Navy SEAL enlisted man. Gallagher had the sensitivity of a rock, 
with a square jaw and crew-cut hair. He resembled a weathered, muscular bulldog. "'You ready for this, Constance?' he asked, referencing the fact I was the point man. I could taste bile as we prepared to unload. We climbed from the river transport into our SEAL-team assault boat. We were approximately two hundred yards from shore. The driver quietly chugged toward a banana and coconut grove along the shoreline. As we approached, it became blacker and blacker as we came under the one hundred fifty-foot-high jungle canopy. I felt the boat rise up on the dirt as we slowly ran into the embankment. Nice landing. So far, so good. I eased over the bow into the water and into the nipa palm along the shoreline.